same in China, China, different, different stories. stories. We are the we ones who found our way, way, way in a new life. Adoptees. <laughs> but welcome to Adoptees Born in China podcast. I'm Tara, and today I am talking with, can I say your name, Megan? Yeah? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I forgot to ask, I was like, do you want to go by something else? Because you can. <laughs> okay, yeah. Yeah, Megan is good. But well, welcome. <laughs> Thank you so much. I can't believe this is our first time meeting. It feels like I've known you for years. I feel like because I definitely started talking to you when you started training for a marathon, which you have now run. So yes, I know it was like 20 weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what I thought. I was like, that's why it feels like a lifetime because when you're training, you talk to people about training or you train with people. It's like, we've been in this together. <laughs> Truly. It's kind of like, I, I mean, I've never been pregnant, but it's just like, oh my God, like it. I thought that baby was just, you know, being announced. Like the pregnancy was just announced, and then right. the baby is is born. It's kind of like the same with a marathon. It's like, oh, I oh. thought you just started training the other day, and now yeah, you're like, oh, you're okay, okay. I mean, yeah, twenty weeks, so it's like five months, and I guess yeah, yeah. I mean, being pregnant, it's what nine months in some change. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, maybe that's a, a little extreme of an example, but. Needless to say, the time flies, right? Yeah, it does. I know. I know it's like, oh, well, well I'll talk to you after you finish your marathon because that takes so much brain power and focus. And it does. It does. I, I love just, that we yeah. bond over that. I know. I think that's how it started. I think you must have posted something and I was like, oh my gosh, you're a runner. You're like, yeah, I'm training for my first marathon. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm following your journey. Let's go. It was, it's tough. Oh, yes, it is. So when's your next one? LOL. Actually, I considered running. I am considering running the New York City one with an organization. Ooh. I think there's a wait list to be on the roster. But if uh -huh. someone were to drop out, then maybe I would consider it. But as you know, training for a marathon is it's really time consuming. And I think I was really shocked by how expensive it is in the sense <laughs> that you need to like be eating such large volumes. And in addition that those silly little gel packets that you're, you know, have to fuel yeah. every 30 minutes on your long run, uh, yep. they're like 150 a packet. And so I'm always going to the running store because I like to support, you know, local businesses. Yeah. And I'm just like, how is this whole thing? Every time I would go, it would be $36 for these little gel packets. I know. And I don't know. Hashtag runner things. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so this this episode's gonna be about running, not adoption. Okay, we'll get back to the adoption <laughs> part. But... <laughs> I mean, what? Okay, I know. Plot twist. I, I was like, like, I'm down. <laughs> we can talk about running. We probably will talk about running more, but I guess when we get back, we'll get back to the running too, but it is funny because I was like, we're going to just talk about running, I'm sure, and uh, we'll see if anybody pays attention, uh, but I agree. I it's can, Tara, I think we can make an argument that running and like our adoption journey are very similar mm. and there are many parallels. Oh I don't know gosh. if we, we want to go into that. We want to go down that dark road I right think we now. could. I think we could definitely <laughs> explore this because there's some truth to that. I do think it's, you know, life. <laughs> it is. It is absolutely. I mean, if we want to tie them together, I was going to say, you know, something that I told myself 
during my 16 weeks of training. So from like mid-January to the end of uh, April, you know, I'm, I'm in therapy. I'm a therapy girly. And, you know, I've been working through adoption trauma and mm. part of something that I had to tell myself in training and in my adoption healing journey is I will not abandon you as in self. I will not abandon you because mm. I was once abandoned in my life, but I will not give up on you and I will not abandon you. And that was actually kind of a mantra that guided me throughout my whole race and 16 week training journey. And in a sense, it felt like running the marathon was a metaphor for how I will continue to show up for myself in this, you know, marathon of life, in this uh, yeah, marathon of our adoption yeah. journey. Because the day that we were abandoned, we only had us, right? Yeah. It's been us, like me, myself, and I since day one. Mm -hmm. And when we cross that finish line at the end of life, and when we cross that finish line at the end of our next marathon, it's just going to be, you know, me, myself, and I. Right. And I think there's a poetic beauty in seeing the parallels between you know, the day that we were abandoned and given up mm -hmm. and the day that we will continue to show up for ourselves yeah. at the end of our lives. And it's kind of beautiful and strangely uh, empowering to think mm -hmm. of it in that way. But I feel like running that race really taught me a lot and gave me a lot of perspective in my healing. Oh, yeah. I mean, the journey to that finish line is like something, but then you finish it and you're like, well, then. I did that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Where where are you actually? Because you're you did a marathon that was local to you, right? That was like near home. Yeah, kind of. I mean, I rented a car to go to Wisconsin. Oh, Wisconsin. Okay. <laughs> Which is uh, not something you do every day, but uh, I wanted to run it somewhere scenic, and it was on the lake, Lake Michigan. Oh yeah. And it needed to be flat. <laughs> Oh, okay. So Wisconsin, it was, oh, and it needed to be before Memorial Day because then it gets too hot. Yeah. Um, so I was like, okay, Wisconsin it is. Um, but yeah, it's like five and a half hours drive or like four and a half because I made a joke that I was like, this commute is as long as I'm going to be running. Running it, yes. <laughs> That's, yeah, I know. It's like, hmm. I can run for five hours, so I can drive for five hours, but same thing, same, same thing. thing, you know, <laughs> running and driving for five hours, because yeah. why not? Wow. Well, let's, let's rewind, go all the way back to the beginning. Okay, now, I feel yeah, like let's I'm, do it. I feel like I'm about to hypnotize you. It's like, let's go back to the beginning, take a deep breath, everybody, and we're going to talk about your adoption. <laughs> okay, sounds good. Please do share more about your adoption, what you'd like to share, like where or how old, all that fun sure. stuff. So I was adopted when I was 11 months old from Chujo, uh, China, and it's a really small town. It's a small, small city. And I was like many other adoptees born in China left with very little evidence and proof of my birth parents mm -hmm. 
you know, I got that same generic letter that they send to a lot of folks, which is, while great lengths have been gone to find this person's biological parents, none have been found. Right. And, uh, you know, a generic date where I was left, the South Gate by this bus station, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what I know about, I guess, the very few first days of my life. Mm-hmm. And I was abandoned from my understanding about 10 days after I was born. And that's that's pretty much what I know and that I'm I'm a cancer. So cancer <laughs> season is coming right up. Uh and then I was adopted by a, a white couple to Connecticut where I lived for a majority of my life. Mm-hmm. In a predominantly white city. You guessed it. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Then I went to college in California. And that's kind of where I had exposure to more Asian American social groups. Kind of came into, came more into my adoptee identity. And I think since the pandemic, I've had a lot more time to meditate and come into, hmm, like blossoming, I would say, into mm-hmm. a more confident version of my Asian American identity. Yeah. And as a result, ourselves. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh, okay. And, and so you currently are on the East Coast, though, right? Yes. Um, yeah. Technically, I'm in the Eastern Standard Time Zone, but I guess you could say it's Midwest. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I keep forgetting. <laughs> it's it's like, honestly, Michigan is so on the border because we're right next to Indiana and half of Indiana is in Central and half is in Eastern. Okay. Um, I think I think so. <laughs> don't, don't quote me, but I think the state is divided. So it's it's kind of trippy. <laughs> and okay. part of Michigan, I know that. Um, you know, it has an upper peninsula and the the very tail end of the upper peninsula up uh, is in a different time zone. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So it's like, I couldn't remember if we were in the same time zone, to be honest. It's like, oh. Michigan's always throwing surprises at you, right? Election, oh, yeah. time zones, everything. <laughs> uh, wait, so how'd you end up in Michigan then? I moved here um, for a job after oh, college. Oh, gotcha, and, gotcha. Uh, I then I you know have since left that other job, but I ended up staying because I love the people at my current job. And, okay. Uh, yeah, it's I I think I surprised myself by moving here, but <laughs> honestly, you know, wherever you move, it's the community that you build that makes you want to stay. Yeah. And I think that's really true for my journey. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I it's a lot about like the people that you choose to surround yourself with is like more a mm-hmm. part of like what makes it home and comfortable and yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when I moved here. One of the first groups I kind of sought out was the adoptees group. It's called Somewhere in Between, mm. and so I immediately got connected with more adoptees here and it has just been so soul fulfilling Mm -hmm. I just you know there's that level of understanding that's immediately 
existent when yeah. you find someone with your same story and you don't need to explain yourself or, you know, a little bit of the imposter syndrome goes away and you don't feel like you need to hide certain parts of yourself. So right. I'm just really grateful that I found this community here. I, I've never had um, an adoptee community in my, I would say in quotations, adult life, you know? Right. Uh, so it's been really special. I agree. I think that was one of the first things I sought out too when I moved to New York. I was like, mm -hmm. there's definitely adoptees everywhere here, mm -hmm. especially Asian adoptees specifically. But mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, it does. It does because I think the novelty of like, oh, we all have the same core element of our like history, but at the same time, it's like, oh, well, now we just talk about other things and help each other network. Yeah, it's kind of what it feels exactly. like. Exactly. And we don't always have to talk about adoption, but right. it's always there. Like if we have a concern, right, we know that we can talk about it in a safe space, right? Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now I got it together. It's like I couldn't remember exactly where you were, but it's like I know you're not in New York. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, maybe one day, but <laughs> I I did grow up in Connecticut and and I guess it's the sister neighbor yeah. to New York. <laughs> so I mean, I've yeah. been to the city many times. I think yeah. it's a, a holiday tradition to go see the lights in Times Square or what, what the Rockefeller tree. Oh, yeah, yeah, the tree. And, like the Rockettes, Broadway shows. Mm -hmm. I've had my touristy moments there. <laughs> oh, of course. I mean, I still have touristy moments here, but I've only been here for almost three years. I don't ah, think the novelty has worn off. Yorker. I'm, a, I'm, yeah, no, not, not quote unquote a real New Yorker yet. I think it's it varies. People are like, you have to have been here for like nine years, and now it's like you have to be here for twelve years. It's like, oh, okay, whatever. It's okay. They, hey, there's no prescription for like what makes you belong in that category right oh yeah I feel like when you start having to wear sneakers with your nice clothes to commute that that seems pretty solidifying for <laughs> yeah for yep. commuting purposes and everything you think of you have to think of like I gotta add like an hour for commute time to get anywhere that's like a give because it used to be like when you had a car well people do have cars here but yeah like living in suburbs and driving it's like <laughs> 20 minutes gets you really far in a car, but 20 yeah. minutes on the train here, not That's always. So <laughs> it depends, but like, not always. Yeah, it's new. <laughs> That's why we run. Because yeah. we're like, I can get there faster than Oh my gosh, exactly. I tell people that. I was like, That's actually what I'm going to do today. I'm going to run to this thing versus taking the train because taking the train, I think it's like an hour and 15. But if I run, it's like, oh, that's like, you know, 50 minutes. Right? So, you show up a little sweaty, but exactly. Cares, no right? one cares. It's after work hours. No one's going to care yeah. that I'm coming in. Yeah, I said that too. How do you feel about walking, though? Because I feel like walking a mile is very slow, actually, when you're like, mm, I could run this, but. Oh, and I'm kind of scared to take those scooters because I'm afraid <laughs> Me too. of falling over on my face. Um, but walking, I think if you're in, you know, a city like New York, mm -hmm. I've only lived in a handful of cities. Only one of them was walkable, DC. Um, mm -hmm. LA, maybe not so much. I mean, in certain areas, but uh eh, yeah, it's just slow. It takes a long time. <laughs> it takes a long time. <laughs> I didn't know you lived in DC. You lived in DC for like a for a little bit. 
for a minute for a minute, for a minute for I was never minute. like a formal resident per se but maybe nine months oh yeah yeah six months something like that it was hot it was the summer <laughs> I mean so, yeah walking was definitely muggy and sweaty um but yeah it's it's I really enjoyed DC's public transportation. I think it's set up very effectively. Oh my gosh, and it's, it's so a funny. small enough city that it actually works. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not uh, so slow or off schedule as some cities can be. Oh, that's so funny. I think it, that was like one of the things I always rib on DC because I, I mean I grew up in Maryland, like close to DC. Oh. And I'm always like, why does it cost so much to take the train? Well, I guess the su- you call it the subway there. No, call it the metro there. Metro. Oh, my gosh. I'm like a real New Yorker now. I can't even. When I moved to New York, I was like, oh, the metro. And they're like, that's not the same thing as the subway and the train. I'm like, now I know. But then you come to New York City, you're like, wow, the train is really efficient. And it's like so cheap but it's actually not that efficient. So I was like, hmm, I should be thankful for Because I guess people are like, well, the DC metro system is definitely cleaner and uh, it does it is. get you where you need to go. It's like, all right, fine. And they have a pretty good bus system too. Mm-hmm. So you can't hate. And the bus is actually $2 flat. Uh, I don't know if that's still, still the same case, but yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> Girl, I was there five years ago. So I oh, don't know. Okay. What I was like, <laughs> somebody was like, DC has like, you know, like that you can use your phone or your credit card now, right? And I was like, I have no idea. I haven't been in the on the DC system probably in like five or six years. Cause it's been a minute. It's been a minute. Like I I mean, I'm the past three years I've definitely been using the New York system and mm-hmm. you can definitely use your phone there. So I don't know. <laughs> like I don't understand all these systems. That's why we love running. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I mean, how did you how did you start running? Did you start have you always ran? Yeah. I actually got a dog when I was 12 and I was like, let's run. And Ooh. I just had my like all-star converse and would run him maybe a quarter of a mile and okay. then a half a mile. And then a mile. And then I'm like, you're slowing me down now. And I can't take you on my And then I would start going three. And then I was like, oh, I kind of like that. Why don't I go for a second run? Mm. And then I just, but, and then it turned, you know, unhealthy and all this stuff and went through a dark period with running. Um, But now, now I use running as a tool to strengthen Mm -hmm. my mind body connection. And it's something that makes me feel very powerful. Um, We all have those activities that empower us, that give us the endorphins. For me, it's running. Um, But yeah, I definitely had, I think, you know, when something that you love can turn detrimental to you. Yeah. Yeah, that it running has we had a love hate relationship for the teen years, but we're, we're good. Ah, now. Okay. We, we resolved it. I would hope so. If you did commit to yeah. training and running a marathon, cause I was like, uh, yeah, yeah. We resolved yeah. it. But okay. I think when people say, oh man, like when I, when I run, I want to die in quotations, right? That's what people joke yeah. about. Um, <laughs> I was like, oh, I get it now. Yeah. When I was doing my long runs, I'm like, dude, three and a half hours. I know. That is a long time to just oh, yeah. be going out there. I'm like, am I done yet? And, you know, it really just goes to show that the mind is a muscle. Yeah. Because our minds have never 
had to use this muscle that is, hey, stay alert and stay focused for three and a half plus hours. That part of our mind has never been used before. So obviously we're left in the dark and bored and want to stop and in pain. But you know, the more you do it, muscle memory. Uh, it's true. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it's like on race day, you're like, hey, I've done this before. I remember yeah. how, you know, sucky it felt at the beginning, but this is now ingrained in my muscles and we don't, mm-hmm. we just have a cool down in quotations. Yep. <laughs> Easy 60 minute run left to go. Yep. You're like, oh my gosh, uh, the sun is setting and I'm almost done. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Uh but yeah, that's how I started. I got a dog. <laughs> wow. Okay. So you did start kind of like younger. You, you didn't do it as like a team sport or anything? I did. I I did cross country in high school. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I was like the slowest of the varsity runners. So <laughs> I was I... always finishing like last on my team <laughs> because I think I feel like I loved it the most but I wasn't necessarily the best like the like when you know when you have um team pride you're like yeah this is so much fun but like you're not necessarily the star <laughs> yeah, yeah. you're oh, just yeah. like I want to have a good time yeah me. <laughs> I mean I definitely looked at the cross-country runners with appreciation like anybody who did athletics because I didn't really do athletics in school <laughs> or high school Mm-hmm. But I looked at the varsity or the the cross country runners. And I was like, oh my gosh, you guys are like running up and down some crazy hills and forests, and that just doesn't seem fun. So good luck with that. Oh, hills are their own beast. No. Oh yeah. No. You, the irony it, is, I'm a hill runner. Actually, you are I'm, a hill runner. I'm a hill runner. I, I love, love hills. Props to you. I think. I'm like, it, why? I think the Midwest it hardens you in some ways, but as a runner, it softens you because. I literally had to Google highest elevation point yeah. you know, where I live. And it's it's nothing, nothing. Yeah. And meanwhile, when I go um, to California, I go to California oh, yeah. kind of often. I'm getting like shin splints running in California <laughs> because my legs are not used to going up like the smallest little inclines. <laughs> that's hilarious oh okay and then believe it well i mean because new york's on an island the city and everything that there's a lot of hills here so if you happen to do new york city marathon be ready it's be ready thanks some hills. thank you for the heads up <laughs> i'll be running hills. up and down parking ramp lots <laughs> I love it. but it's also one of the best crowds so it's like Hills, but crowds. Yeah, they push you through it. It's the oh, energy yeah. that it's a part. It's definitely a, what do they call it? Like the biggest block party or something like that. I don't remember. Well, I will forget. you be doing it this year, Tara? I think I might be. Oh my gosh! Well, then maybe I need to get on that wait list. Get get off that wait list. If you need a place to stay, I got you. Well, like, we can do a little podcast there. We could. <laughs> I know. You can meet the running community that I joined. Because in addition to adoption community, when I came to New York, I was like, let's find a running community. And that's how I yeah. became super serious about running. <laughs> that's awesome. Man, I want to join a running community right now. It's just me, myself, and I. Oh, my gosh. And the first time I ran with folks, like, since kind of – college or high high school was during the race like a month ago 
Wow. And I was like, oh my gosh, this feels nice to run with other people. Yeah. Is that why people do it? <laughs> yeah. Well, especially, and I think I noticed that too. Was, I mean, if we want to connect it to adoption, but it's like you were solo training and doing some of these long runs on your own, which is really hard to do those solo runs. Cause I, I did it last year. I did a couple of those like super long ones by myself. Mm -hmm. I was like, this is just seems really counterproductive. <laughs> Is but also productive like, <laughs> it's your toxic trait you're like my toxic trait is thinking i can do everything alone yeah. <laughs> and then realizing it's better with people <laughs> i mean something after the fact <laughs> yeah there are some things that are better with people and but not everything i i think there's a balance you can find with that with running it's like i can do this by myself but it's also nice to have people occasionally but i don't need people all the time that's where i'm at i'm like eh. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I, feel that. I feel that. Oh, yeah. But props to you, though, because doing your whole entire training solo is, yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot. Especially if you were doing like five days a week. I don't remember what you were doing. You were doing something. You were doing a lot. It was uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Oh, there was an optional run on Friday. <laughs> but you're not like, like, eh. no. And no. then I would just do the Saturday long run. Yeah. So it was four days, four days. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's still a lot. I mean, yeah. It was, it was, but I think, you know, I love cheesy quotes. I just, oh, me too. I just me love too. them. They stick with me and I think words are powerful and they're cheesy for a reason, but they're impactful for another reason. Yeah. And, you know, they say it, more people would do it if it were easy. Right. Right. And obviously, Training for a marathon is difficult, but it's like you can do – everyone is capable of doing difficult things. You know, yeah. people have told us, probably told you, like, oh, I could never run a marathon. It's like you absolutely can. Right. Because to us, it's like we we have been running, so it's like, okay, like, yeah, it's going to be hard. But I feel like anyone can do anything, and they just don't know their capabilities because they right. haven't – train their emotional muscles in that way to think of right. their potential. So it's like open up that potential in your mind that says, hey, anything is possible. Oh, yeah. And and to not look at life with a limited growth mindset, but rather to look at it with a mindset of endless growth and potential, right? And yeah. I think that running this race really showed me how much I have limited myself in other areas of my Ooh, yeah. life because I'm like, Hey, Megan, like you just became part of the, in quotations, 1% of folks who finish a marathon yeah. in their lifetime. And you know, that statistic may or may not be true right now at this moment, but I'm like, also, LOL, that's the last time I'll ever be in the 1% for anything. Uh, but, <laughs> right. but it's like, it, that's really cool. And it's like, you can equally do something as difficult, mentally difficult mm -hmm. as this in the future. And it really opened the possibilities for me. I'm like, oh, I am capable. I am strong, like emotionally, like yeah. physical aspect aside, it's, it's really a a mental battle yeah oh yeah, yeah yeah i agree that's what that's why it's like uh and i i also think of similar to like life but it's like i run to last not fast like i'm not trying to race through 
living this life like no I'm just here to like keep living and make it (laughs) it's really what it is yeah exactly and and when you say you know I run to last and and kind of like there's this quote that I put that my friends and I we made a poster for my run race and it says life is short running makes it seem longer Mm-hmm. And then we put a little corgi um, because they're yeah. long and cute. But, you know, it's yes, it's good for your heart and physical benefits, etc. But there's so much joy in it. So, yeah, you know, everyone has that activity that brings them joy. Whatever it is, I hope that folks really take time out of their day to to invest time Mm -hmm. and what brings them those moments that make it feel like life is slowing down yeah oh yeah yeah oh yeah because I I mean I like to read and in addition to cheesy quotes because I love them too they're all over I'm pretty sure they're all over both Instagrams I have now but also there's just like a lot of books and stuff they all kind of these like self-improvement books I call them a lot of them kind of do focus on like it's okay to be still for a moment and just like rethink and reevaluate what's going on. Like the more you keep doing stuff or like not stopping and can also lead to like not great things happening. I was like, thank mm-hmm. you books and quotes. Mm-hmm. What is one of the books that I don't know, is really powerful to you that has really stuck with like, what's a message mm-hmm. from a book that's really stuck with you? Oh my gosh. What was it? What was the one I was reading it's actually by Lloyd Gothib, and it was, I think you should talk to somebody or someone. And Lloyd Gothib is a therapist herself, but she actually ended up writing a book about going to her own therapist when she was going through, I think, through like some very big life moments or chapters of like her relationship or her marriage and then something with like work. But it was a, it was interesting because she would talk about patients she had like in a confidential way, but she also talked about her therapist and talked about the therapist reaction to her being a therapist and like but parts of that too that's were, so meta <laughs> it was very but I was like this good, book is so good and then what's another one that stood out to me oh my gosh it's by Tiffany Pham is that her name she's like you are a mogul but I don't remember what's the if that's the name of the book or not but that I can't remember the name of the book but I remember the messages in it but a lot of them were about like empowerment and I'll be honest recently I just watched I hope it's not a spoiler, but Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, like the very last part of that episode, he was just talking about like ambition, maybe an unattractive trait in women, but that's that's like false. Like just do, no one's going to do it for you. You have to go out there and like get it basically is what I mean. It was much more poetic than what I'm saying, but mm-hmm. stuff like that. I was like, yeah, I love all this stuff. That's just like empower yourselves yeah Uh, and I think running is like a part of it I was also one of those people who like I didn't start running until after college and all that stuff and I think I did it mostly for stress and like body image stuff um but that obviously has gone away finally because teen years are rough but and then especially I think even like your early adulthood I would say early 20s are pretty rough too I I just can't I can't I would not want to go back to that time but I was one of those people who, like, I started running, and then the most I ran was maybe a 10K, and then I got this email that was like, enter the lottery for New York City Marathon in 2019, and I was like, sure, whatever, why not? I'm not going to get into that. I lucked out. I got into that. (laughs) It's always those one-offs. Yeah. I was like, huh? (laughs) I think it's 
I was listening to this podcast today and it talks about the idea of, you know, where luck and skill come together and, you know, where opportunity knocks Mm -hmm. and how opportunity needs to come about in order for you to apply yourself. And it came about at like, it was the universe telling you, hey, this is your time to shine. Mm -hmm. So I was one of those people who definitely went from like, only running a 10k to a full marathon and probably I think I spent eight months or I actually did spend maybe eight or nine months so the term of a pregnancy actually to train it's a whole baby because <laughs> I didn't it, you birthed the marathon I did because I was like I don't know what I'm doing I don't even know really how to run like so I joined like a program that was specifically meant for like people who are running their marathon for the first time and you know that was a commitment but you're right it's expensive like shoes and gels and hydration I was like this is more intense than I expected, but now I've done three, so. Oh my God. <laughs> yes, I love that. Let's go. Let's go. Three and counting. Let's go. Three and counting. And then I just loved like sharing with people like, oh my gosh, there's this running group. You should come join because it's there. I mean, have fun. So I did con- I did convert some um, Dragon Boat people to be like, you guys live here. Come run. And they're like, now they're like superstars. It's like, that's great. I love it. I love that. That and adoptees. I was like, oh my gosh, there's this picnic. If you were in New York, I would have already texted you about it. It's like, you know, there's this picnic. You should come. It's going to be like 300 people probably. All adoptees from everywhere and families. That's so fun. I love that we're each other's kind of home away from home. Exactly. Um, It's just a really beautiful, beautiful thing to have. Yeah. I don't mm-hmm. have the words for it right now, but it, I think we're bonded together, you know, by our shared histories and mm-hmm. shared loss and frankly, trauma. Yeah. And we'll always have each other, even if we don't have connection with the folks who we came from. Yeah. Right. And the country that we came from and the language and there's a beauty in that, in that we are all the lost children. Yeah. I, but I we was, found each other. We found each other. I know. And then I was speaking with, her name's Evelyn, who I just, on the previous episode, she's like, my parents called us, like, p- parents would call us fellow travelers. And I was like, I love that. Mm-hmm. It's like, we're all fellow travelers finding each other. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, that's so, I don't know. I haven't really thought of it that way, but it's like fellow, a fellow traveler. And it's like, you are a fellow traveler. We are all fellow travelers. Mm-hmm. Um, which I thought was very sweet, but it's like, yeah, it is like kind of weird at the same time of like, we're all like formed our own communities based on this trauma essentially. But at the same time, like it wouldn't be any other way. Right. Like I can't imagine how it would have been. Mm-hmm. I mean, getting all, metaphysical a little bit (laughs) i'll definitely insert a break too to break up the break up the conversation i always do that oh yeah china have you have you been back do you want to go back any interest so that that's a big question um to answer the first part i went back to China for the first time since I was adopted in 2019. Oh, okay. Right before the pandemic. So in June of 2019, I went back to China with my parents and we went on a tour called Lotus Tours, which operates out of Seattle, but it's operated by a Chinese man 
And he takes adoptees and their parents back to China on returning home type trips. And so I went on a two week tour with a handful of adopted children and their parents. I was the oldest one on this tour. Uh, Most of them were, I would say, we were grouped into adoptees who were like eight to 14 and then maybe 15 to 20. And I was 22 or 21. I can't remember. So at that age, I was very much coming into my adoptee identity, questioning a lot of things. And I'm not so sure how, you know, we're all on our own timelines. And I think that I was maybe on a different timeline than some other folks. So I Mm -hmm. found it difficult uh, to get at really deep existential questions. Let's just say that. And I think that I maybe filtered parts of myself because I was with a group of folks, including my parents. Mm Mm-hmm. And while I enjoyed seeing the history and, you know, the World Heritage Sites and just the, you know, magnificent mountains and the landscape and what it's like to connect with the land there, I think something still felt off for me. Right. And I knew going in to not approach the trip through rose-colored glasses. I knew going in that it would not feel like returning home because it would feel like a stranger returning to a new place. And Mm -hmm. I tried to go in to China in quotations as realistically as I could. And I think that maybe I was let down when I didn't find out more information about my origins and about, you know, my abandonment story and about Mm -hmm. my biological parents. And it was a little disheartening. Mm -hmm. And it's on that tour that I learned that the location that was provided on my adoption papers where I was supposedly abandoned does not exist or Mm -hmm. no longer exists. And so it made me feel like, and this is my trauma, it made me feel like I don't exist. Mm. That's what I'm working on in therapy. But back to the story. Mm. (laughs) Um, You ask, do I have interest in returning to China? And Right now, I'm actually trying to find a way to go there next year to connect with, you know, the culture, Mm -hmm. to learn the language more, to learn more about the people and, and more about my story, and, you know, hopefully find more information about my birth parents but as we all know, that's really difficult. Mm. And it's a high hope to set. And it's really easy to get her going in with that hope. Mm. But right now, I'm planning on trying to go next year. I think I'm at a stage in my life 
where I'm about to turn 27. And after a series of, you know, mass violence in America, a pandemic, and through conversations with friends where I, we talk about, hey, what would happen or what would you envision your life to be like if money didn't matter mm-hmm. or if time didn't matter? What what would life look like for you? And in the conversations I've had, I've I've always find myself answering with, oh, well, I would want to go spend time in China and to connect with my culture a little more and to maybe try and find a little bit more about my birth parents. Mm-hmm. And then it occurred to me, well, why don't you? What's stopping mm-hmm. you? Yeah, Because time and money are always going to be restricting variables in everyone's Every, life. Yeah. They're always going to be an issue. They're never going away. So why not today? Why not tomorrow? Why does it have to be in 10 years? Why is it a pipe dream? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yeah, why is it? Mm. Why don't you? (laughs) Yeah. And so I'm at a stage right now where it's, you know, the Hillary Duff song. Why not? Yep. I love it. But anyway, I'm, I'm in that I'm in that why not era per se. Mm -hmm. And I just, uh, I think after the pandemic, I thought deeply about my birth parents Mm. and my relationship to them and what a connection might look like. And mainly, I think after the China trip, as I kind of alluded to, when I discovered that my finding spot the south gate at this bus station didn't exist as was told to me by my tour guide it made me feel like i didn't exist right and as adoptees we do not have reflections of our selves in the world by means of our birth parents because we don't know them and have no actual way of reaching them right And then the alternative would be for us to have children, right? Yeah. Um, Expensive. Uh, (laughs) Don't know (laughs) if we're there yet, right? But I think that I want to see a reflection of myself in the world. Mm, Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I also know that through therapy, I can give myself the validation I need that I exist in the world because... I am here. Mm -hmm. And so something that we work on in therapy is imagining ourselves as a little baby and holding ourselves as a little baby and saying, hey, little Megan, I'm here for you. You exist. And uh, I'm I will take care of you. And I see you. And I'll never leave you. Yeah. And that's what I am working on is trying to give myself the validation of my existence while also holding space for the part of me that wants to see it reflected in someone else. Mm, Because what I've learned through therapy, shout out to Sally, is that you can want your needs to be met by another person, 
I can want my needs of validation of my existence from my birth parents while also acknowledging that I can give that to myself. Yeah. It's an empowering feeling. And it's a hard feeling to feel both, Mm -hmm. to feel this longing for validation of your existence and also knowing that you can give it to yourself. And that's a really hard, uh, yeah, it's just, (laughs) it feels like, you know, you're holding this, I don't know, um, Let's let's envision like the Tesseract in like the Marvel movie, <laughs> yes. which is, you know, this floating cube orb um, yeah. blue for those who aren't familiar. It's that it's like holding that you're like, whoa, what do I do with this feeling? Mm-hmm. And it's kind of mysterious and it's shaking and it's a powerful thing to hold. And you're like, it's kind of lonely holding this alone. I want mm-hmm. someone else to hold it with me. I want my birth parents to hold it with me. And so mm-hmm. that's where I'm at. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, that was very, that was many layers there too. Cause I, I have definitely heard that perspective too from quite a few people. And it is, it's tough. Cause I think a lot of us or a lot of people or from what I've heard in my experience too, it's like we battle this, like we have some responsibility to like continue a life or like our bloodline, not necessarily bloodline, but I don't know, but we also just like our existence has been like a question in a way and at the end of it it's less like we are here obviously and how we're here and how we got here we have no control over so it's like we can't we can like mourn that we can grieve that because that is like a part of our story and also working on that in therapy too a lot of it is like well you are here what will you do with what you're because you're here what are you going to do with your life now like that's a lot of it. And it's like, I think it varies. I, I always do wonder, and I don't always ask, but it's like, sometimes it's like, do you want to have your own children? Would you adopt? Like, that's always a question. I think like we ask each other, but even I think amongst our own fellow travelers, I'd say our community of adoptees, like, it seems like people don't really ask that too often, honestly. I don't know if it's just like the questions that we always ask each other seem to be like, oh, like, how do you feel about a family and birth culture but I don't think we ever go into like do you want to have kids like do you want to have a family (laughs) or maybe it's just like the age we're at I don't know I think I mean a lot of people I went to high school with a fair number of them do have children of their own which is kind of mind-boggling because I can't imagine trying to take care of another human being it's overwhelming (laughs) it's like children it is do you know if you want to have kids (sighs) I am like I currently, and you know, it could change, but I currently, there was a time where I felt like I did want kids, but I felt, think that was more of like an external pressure environment that I felt like I had to, but now I'm like, eh, I can try to like take care of myself is what I think is most important, but I can't, I don't know. I'm, I'm definitely on the fence of like, if it happens, it happens, but if it doesn't, it's okay. And what I adopt, probably not personally. I think it's just so much involved with the process, but I mean, ask me in five years, I could change. I mean. <laughs> Definitely. And you're allowed to change your mind. Exactly. I always tell people, it's like your mind's going to change depending what's happening, what happens around you. And 
Uh, but I think you brought up another good point about like time and money. Like that is always, people will always have that. Everybody will always have that as like a factor into decisions they make. And it's like, what do you value? Cause that's going to affect what decisions you make. But yeah, I, I mean, cause you, I think we do hear stories of people who are like, they just quit their job and they went and traveled the whole world. And it's like, what's stopping anybody from doing that? And it's like, I don't know, time, money, capitalism capitalism yeah seriously <laughs> it's like uh, but you hear these stories and people do it whether they're adopted or not but that's a good point that you bring up i think that's like something to emphasize it's like why why make that a dream or a plan in many years when it could be like now i mean <laughs> that's like one of those quotes like life is short technically life is also long in other ways i also think that as we're getting older and approaching 30, our birth parents are getting older too. And our parents yeah. raised us True. are getting older. And it feels for me personally, like I want to fulfill this mission of connecting with my birth culture and the land and the people in the way that I haven't mm. before, before I might have to take on some caretaker duties back oh, here yeah and so you know time is always a race the clock running like against us but I guess I feel an urgency now because I don't know 30 seems mm. oh man that's that's a third of the, my life yeah <laughs> you know it it it's a third of the way life crisis <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got a few months, but I was like, I feel like I'm already there. I don't know if it's just because <laughs> of the pandemic just sort of sped that up or uh, what, but yeah, I was like, I'm almost there officially, but mentally, it's like, I think when's I'm already your birthday, there. Tara? It's September 14th. September 14th. Yeah, we got so, some time. Virgo? Virgo, indeed. Nice. I do enjoy reading the horoscope because, uh, or just like the characteristics. It's like that actually seems pretty on point. I'm not gonna, not gonna lie. I'm not about that. <laughs> I don't put a lot of weight on them. However, I was just listening to a podcast the other day, The Assignment with Audie Cornish, and one of the episodes was about, uh, was an interview with an astrologist. And she said something that was like, the sky is a mirror for how we see ourselves. Mm. And, uh, the sky at, you know, the night or morning that we were born is a reflection of kind of our auras. And I really like that. And I think it's kind of unfortunate, you know, for us adoptees who don't necessarily know the time that we were born, right? So we don't yeah. know, <laughs> and yet alone the date, right? Because right. that that's also... <laughs> like an approximation <laughs> usually, yeah. Yeah, but I think that's kind of a beautiful statement. The sky is a mirror. And... Mm. I have a very deep connection with the land and with nature. I feel like some of the most magical moments of my day are the first couple minutes of sunrise and the last couple minutes of sunset. Yeah. Where it just feels like it's you in the world mm -hmm. and it's quiet and you get to see the birds chirping, these little, for me, it's like I see little rabbits running around or, yeah. I don't know, maybe a skunk. But it just feels like this intimate secret between myself and the world in the first, 
don't know, five minutes of the day and first last five minutes of the day. Mm. And uh, I feel like I learned so much about myself in those moments because it forces me to, let's say, look at the ripples in a pond and wonder, oh, what is it like to be still like this lake? Or sometimes, oftentimes, the ground is warmer than the air and I see the steam burning off. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, hey, you know, maybe my mind is a little foggy today and I need to burn off some steam. And I think nature can teach us a lot about ourselves. So so yeah, in, in that sense, back to astrology, Yeah, I think the sky is a mirror in the same sense that if we look closely enough at nature, it is a mirror for ourselves as well. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, there's definitely so much. And there are a lot of grand places in the world that truly are like, wow, we are just one speck of like this whole entire thing that exists. Yeah, a little Horton, here's a who moment. (laughs) Yeah, it's like those are appreciated. I mean, having so many of them at once is probably overwhelming. But, you know, every once in a while, it's really good to appreciate like the stuff around. It's a lot of what those books talk about, too. It's like just take a moment to like observe the sounds and use your senses, like just pause because it's like when you're like just zooming through it like almost yeah but taking those moments to pause really lets your like heartbeat slow down and your mind like settle and you're like oh, okay it's not the end of the world I don't know it's like I always think of that saying it's like it's not brain surgery but it's like what do brain surgeons do then with those moments like <laughs> what do they have to say <laughs> yeah I was like what do you want a brain surgeon to say For them, it is the end of the world <laughs> yeah I was like mm, okay My so thoughts we have... go out to them I know it's like huh. Any any Chinese adoptee brain surgeons out there? Let me know. Yeah, Very curious. <laughs> Only because this podcast is primarily Chinese adoptees. So. Yeah. <laughs> There's a couple people I talk to who are like adopted from Hong Kong and surrounding areas, but it's like mostly it's Chinese adoptees because mm-hmm. there are quite a few of us out there. Uh, a lot of us are approaching. I think that's a big signifying thing too. Is like I started this when I was oh my gosh, 26, 27. Yeah, it's been three years. So. I was like, we're, a lot of us are getting into like the upper 20s into our 30s. Yeah. Um, there are people who are definitely older. But yeah, it's like thinking about, I feel like this podcast in itself is its own like archive of like what's happening in the world with Chinese adoptees specifically, but also in the world because I don't know. It's a, uh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's a beautiful thing that you're documenting our stories in real time. And when we look back on this, It'll be really special to have, it, you know, this audio diary series of, mm-hmm. you know, our conversations are reflective of the current, like, state of politics yeah. state of the U.S. And I think it's also reflective of how narratives are shifting. Yeah. Like, it's less, I think, that the mindset in the early 90s, according to scholars who whose names I don't have readily available at the moment, but... In the 90s, I think it was way less common for adoptees to go searching for their birth parents because it was seen as, oh, why are you searching? Like, is your life bad? But now I feel like it's very common for adoptees to go searching because it's, I'm curious about where I come from. Yeah, it's just like a part of who we are. And so it's wonderful that you have started this podcast and created this safe space and community for folks to share their stories and none of our perspectives are alike 
or sorry, or they may be similar, but none of them mm -hmm. are the same, right? Exactly. Yeah. And uh, I think you're capturing the nuances in our perspectives because it, you can't just, you know, blanket statements say, oh, all adoptees, you know, want to go find their birth parents because that's right. not true. Right. Um, and some are very content not finding their birth parents and some want to. And I think it's great that you are taking the time to capture, you know, the differences in opinions mm. and perspectives because we all feel really differently about our birth oh, countries, yeah. about our birth families. We're all at different stages in our adoption journeys. And it's a beautiful thing to have a catalog of those. So oh, yeah. thank you for your work, Tara. All because of the work that we do. That's, there are definitely nuances. I was like, wow, I didn't, mm, that's like a really different way to look at it. And if I ever do have kids, be like, here you go. Yeah. <laughs> Here's a whole it. archive of three years. <laughs> have fun. Everything you need to know. <laughs> Everything you need to know about me when I was 27 to 30, blah, 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 blah. Or, I mean, I didn't, I don't have like an end date in mind at all. That's not something I considered because. I don't know. There's just so many of us. I was like, this could be one of those things that you can continue if you want as like a life project, which maybe will be. It has been the only consistent thing I've been I've done in a while. <laughs> and running, actually running has also been consistent. That oh. is so good because you're doing you got something that feeds your soul. Exactly. And like soul. also feeds your mind and your body. You're set. Mm -hmm. I mean, then I have chocolate from time to time. Oh, I love chocolate. So consistently, actually. <laughs> oh, you love chocolate too? Yay. I have um this jar. I've like cleaned it out. It used to have pickles in it, but um I I fill it with chocolate chips. Then I buy the big chocolate chips bag from Costco. Oh my gosh. And I just went through my last one and I'm like, oh my God, I need to stop eating chocolate chips. Oh my gosh. I <laughs> I don't know if I would have such good discipline with like a Costco size chocolate, I anything. Chocolate chips. I was like, the discipline it's bad, is dude. Okay. <laughs> I did tell, I did tell my friend Katie, I was like, if I do New York City Marathon again this year, can I get another five pound Hershey bar? Yes. yes. Cause that's what I did in 2019. I was like, this is the first marathon I'm ever doing. It's going to be in New York City. I've always wanted a reason to get that five pound Hershey bar. Uh, and I totally got it at the end of that marathon. You earned that. I totally earned that thing. And then I was like, okay, now I can keep doing it. Now it's going to be that excuse is, well, you don't need an excuse, but I was like, now more justification is like, and I'm going to be 30. So, oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I need that chocolate bar again. 30, another marathon. I've done, I've been fortunate enough to do New York City twice already. And I did Berlin too last year. Oh, my God. Yeah, I saw. Yeah. Uh that sounds so amazing. You're on oh your way gosh. to all the, what is it, seven? Oh, the se the six majors? I don't know six. about that. I am not, I definitely know people, running people in the community I'm a part of, like who have like done fundraising and done lotteries and everything to run all six majors. And I was like, whew, that's overwhelming. Partially because I know Chicago is flat. Berlin was flat. Um, London, I think is flatter. And then Boston, I think is challenging but i know that's a time qualification thing so and then tokyo is really hard to get into and i think new york i've just locked up and able to do so I, was like, Lucky I know i know i was like doing it again this year it was like i think it's because i was very involved and did a lot of like proactive stuff went above and beyond that i might be able to do it this year so it was like 
and it's an it's one of those opportunity things it's like hey if an opportunity presents itself especially something like that it's like i'm not gonna say no because my original plan was like i don't think i'm gonna sign up for any races like i'm not gonna sign up for anything for the fall because summer training by the way is (laughs) wait for that you're gonna be like "Mm, i don't know if i want to do summer training Hmm." Um, I don't know if it's as it's bad in Michigan weather wise, but it gets hot. It's like starting those runs early AF in the morning. I'm also doing dragon boat team. So it's like, this is, this is my athletic summer. I'm going to be like training oh, and big doing, girl summer. It's going to be, yeah, it's a true hot girl summer. I would say quote unquote, because <laughs> <laughs> I've also like, I'm not doing any relationships or dating. We're just going to run either. Paddle this boat. I need a break. <laughs> Talking about it. I got therapy, therapy every week to talk about it. And it's like, yes, oh, no dating. Just going to be super athletic and not get injured is my goal. Good. Yeah. Investing in yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, I am reading a book right now. It's like something about home. I forget what exactly the title is, but it's like something to your homecoming. I heard about it on a podcast, actually homecoming overcoming fear and trauma to reclaim your whole authentic self oh wow it's actually pretty good so far it is pretty heavy too i was like whoa Mm -hmm. i actually do like how this writer writes she's actually originally from baltimore is it tema thema or tema bryant is the name Mm -hmm. but she was speaking on mel brooks mel brooks wow that's not her name <laughs> mel's podcast i'll just say mel's podcast mm-hmm. I can't remember the name but she was speaking on mel's podcast about this book and she also has her own podcast it's like another podcast oh my gosh but uh her book is actually i think a reflection of the podcast but it's pretty good so far it's a and every chapter she ends with like welcome to your homecoming or something and i was like oh i like it i like this That's book so nice. far it's an intense read, but I was like, okay. So then on the side, I have like a romance book or something if I need a break from the serious like heaviness of thinking about myself and self-improvement. Then I'll just read about this book about people falling in love. The irony of like, I'm not dating, but I can read about it. Yeah, it's it's like, I don't want to go through that pain, but I'll read about someone going through it. Exactly. Not for me, but, but for I'll, me. I'll, I'll watch from afar. That's me yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> Well, in those stories, usually there's a happy ending. So you're like, oh, I'm so glad that they found each other. I mean, you knew it was coming. But yeah, no, for me, I've already been through that quite a bit recently that I'm like, I'm good. I'm good. You're like, confirmation, I don't need to go through it again. Not right now. Not right now. <laughs> because I, I was like, don't give up. I know. Don't give up. But right now, I'm going to just like take a break. I'm not giving up on it. Just taking a nice strong pause because at the end of it too i think like six months is really that's the timeline i gave myself it's like six months is actually not that much time compared to like six years or 17 years you know so and we're young so it's like we got time yeah and i think that there's no timeline right it's good point. It's like whenever you feel ready and whenever that is just honor that time right mm-hmm. i know yeah and I, I was talking to somebody about this. It's like, yes, I gave that I gave that timeline of like six months. And then immediately, like the next day, it's like I met somebody who's like, mm, he's he's very attractive, nice to talk to, but no, I'm good. But it yeah. is as soon as you're like, I'm like, good. I'm focusing on me. I'm focusing on me. And then like some people will just come into the 
into your vision. And I think that's just a distraction. It's like, no, I'm focusing on me, but I can appreciate what I see. And your skies are blue and clear. And some people are just clouds in your sky Mm -hmm. passing by. Yep. Some people turn your skies into sunsets. And as the quote goes, sunsets are proof that endings can be beautiful. Yes. I think you did post something the other day. And I was like, I, <laughs> I love it. I about sunrises. Uh, yeah, sunsets. I noticed. I, I feel this intimate, out-of-body connection with the world when I look at them. Mm-hmm. I just, it sends me into, it's like, you know, that image where you're being lifted up into the heavens and the sun's rays are coming down yep. on you and you're just floating towards heaven. Yeah. I, I feel this etherealness when I look at the sunrise or sunset. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it's true. Like some some experiences, I think what part of what makes life so special are these moments that are fleeting right nothing lasts for everything ever everything is finite yeah and uh, just like many things that do not last a sunset cannot last and it was beautiful because it only you only get to see it for I don't know 10 minutes a day yeah and sunsets are proof that endings can be beautiful because there's there's gonna be one tomorrow there's Come, mm-hmm. there's another one coming around the corner and so uh it gives me a lot of radical hope in just a lot of things oh yeah and I think especially at the beach I think seeing a sunset at the ocean is like one of those true truly one of those moments of like out of body you're like whoa that just how does this exist and it's like that one moment where it's like even I don't know even line balance yeah and then in the city there's something called the Manhattan Henge is it Henge yeah, it came yes. up in my newsfeed. Oh, today. wow. Yeah, that is well, on the day we're recording. That is today, May 30th. It's going to happen today. Yeah, that's it's like, why it came up. And are you going to catch it? I am going to try to catch it. I'm going to see it probably from the Queen's side because you can see like Manhattan skyline pretty well from the Queen's side versus like going into Manhattan and being right there because you could still see it set in between the buildings. It was one of those moments like, wow, how did they, how did that happen? Like they built this whole entire grid, but how did they know it was going to line up with the sunset there? I don't know, but it's it's one of those like, what? <laughs> wow. Sunsets are all over your feed then because. <laughs> they are. Especially... Uh, they just give me so much life. It's amazing. Take a pause for a second. Cause yeah. I think that's a good thing to say. Be still. Be still. No need to rush. I think you have that like presence that helps. I was like, yeah, just like breathe. It's okay. I'm like, yeah, no, that's really good. But before we end, I always like to ask, is there anything you'd like to hear from others, other Chinese adoptees? Anything else I would like to hear from them, like in future episodes? Ooh, yeah, future episodes or like anything you'd love to know that you haven't really explored oh man um I guess right now since I'm kind of embarking on this journey of potentially going there and living there for who knows how long I would want to hear about their experiences living there and Mm -hmm. adjusting oh yeah you know I don't think I've actually talked to many who've like 
And many adoptees who've like gone and stayed there for like a long period of time. I'll have to do some research and find some people. Yeah. Because I think it is different from like when you just visit for a short period of time and then when you like go and like live there and live in it too. Yeah. Time, yeah. quote unquote. <laughs> so yeah, I guess I'd just be curious to know their experiences and mm. like what it's like to consistently be reminded of everything you lost mm. and how do you do you manage that feeling yeah of everywhere you look you are reminded of what you are not and what you lost mm. because I know it's gonna hit me <laughs> when I'm there yeah. and how do you hold that feeling and how do you approach and wake up every day and say, hey, I'm going to show up for myself in whatever capacity that is. I'm going to try ordering whatever in, in the language. I'm going to try meeting one new friend, mm -hmm. whatever that is. How do you wake up every day and look around and feel kind of alone mm -hmm. in a place you had no say and being taken from right Ooh. yeah that is interesting that would be very interesting to speak with somebody who has that experience i know like speaking with people who like just visit in the initial time of being there it's very intense but i think as time or the longer you're there that probably goes away and it's like i think ourselves we adapt but then i also feel like people can kind of sense it from certain from others like well, I mean I guess that's in general but like sometimes you can sense like a strength in people I feel like you definitely have this strength too that you if you go there and stay there for a while I think others would probably leave you to your own devices too to be like she's got it she'll figure it out mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean it takes a lot of courage and bravery I think in a sense to also insert yourself in an environment like that too mm -hmm. I guess we all in a way can do that when we move or we all do that in a way when we move away from home where we grew up. But a different country, I think, is a whole nother story that mm. can be explored, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> this was really cool. I'm so glad we finally got to, like, sit down. Me uh, too, Tara. Thank you for inviting me on your podcast. And, yeah, for for uplifting and sharing and listening to adoptee stories it's it's really fantastic the work you're doing um yeah just just thanks thank you i appreciate appreciate you and others for sitting down and listening to it too because i know there are definitely I feel like there's always an emphasis that's unspoken that's like it's not always like sunshine and sunrises and sunsets all the time with like our journeys too I mean it's a part of it but I think I definitely appreciate and care that people also like have heard the sad parts of it because I know I've definitely shared that too but it's how we all keep living life the waves of up and down <laughs> yeah. yeah adoption is to talk about love and loss grief and yeah. gratitude it is that space 
that exists where and is possible, where mm-hmm. you can feel grateful and be grieving. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I think it's like, that's like a whole nother thing. But it's like also grieving of people who are still here that you know, too. It's like, oh, it's just a part of life is grief, I think. I mean, breakups and family estrangement and all that aside, that's another part of it. Um, Yeah. I went through that on this podcast, too. (laughs) I was like, yeah, estrangement with family and just started communicating again just recently. So. That's hard. I hope you are allowing yourself to feel how difficult that is. Mm -hmm. And therapy helps with that too. I've started, that's a lot of what I kind of talk about in therapy too. It's like, how do I meet my family where I want them, where I want to be or where they want to be? I don't know. How much do you give? So that's Uh, I feel like that's a lot of what we struggle with. Like, how much do we give of ourselves and how much do we accept from others type of thing? It's it's a balancing act and it's hard to find the answers. And I think that as adoptees, we have already had to give up so much of ourselves, our identity in exchange for for one example, fitting in Mm -hmm. to predominantly white communities that we were raised in. Mm -hmm. And that's not to say, you know, a lot of adoptees probably have different experiences, but, um, you know, we've already given so much of ourselves up as children. And when we were conditioned one way to fit the mold and then are asked uh, in our adult lives, to now reframe, like tone down (laughs) our people-pleasing selves. It's Mm. really hard to unlearn the parts of ourselves that are the givers, that are the people-pleasers, because that's what we have been doing out of habit for our lives. Yeah. Um, And it's not our fault. Yeah. Remaining true to our authentic selves. Mm -hmm. Speaking of sunrises, I th- isn't that if you'd like to use that your Instagram? I would say it's more yeah. for if people like want to follow up and reach out. It's like, hey, I heard your story. Yeah, sure. Whichever so that one. would be my <laughs> other account. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I mean, like, I'm more flexible with, you know, adoptees. Um, and I actually, uh, this is a whole other thing, but I was going to start an adoptee podcast in the <gasps> pandemic, and I have Ooh. an Instagram account for that one, which would be most fitting for adoptees yeah. to follow me on. <laughs> so, but it has, it, I never launched it, I, but the account is active. Um, so you can follow me there. Uh, let me make sure I give you the right handle. <laughs> I have not used, I basically, the gist is I, was going to start a podcast in April 2021 mm-hmm. uh, due to a number of factors. I never published the podcast. However, <laughs> I have a lot. I, I you have shared a, a lot of information about international adoption. Oh, I love it. Transracial adoption and a little bit about my story. So the podcast was going to be called Adoption Rewind Podcast. Ooh. And that's where adoptees can... 
uh, reach out to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I may rename it in the future. I may pick it back up. I think about picking it back up every day. Um, maybe that's not the right account. See, see, cause I might change the name and then oh. if you publish this and it's the changed name, then it may not be an existing account. So here, this, this other account, I, <laughs> there's too many accounts. You, folks can follow if they wish to connect on at, on Instagram, Meg takes the world. Ooh, I love it. At Meg takes the world. Okay. Yeah. Meg takes the world. Okay. I know. Because I think when I publish it, and if you change your name, it might automatically update the tag or something. Okay. That would be great. I think that's what happens. I don't know how Instagram does it. But yeah, so I have many yeah. accounts. <laughs> I don't know how you do it. I think having two is already a lot. <laughs> Oh, I don't, I don't post to any, I only post to oh, one account. <laughs> I see, I see. I, and then I use the others to communicate. <laughs> oh, yeah. See, I think I, I don't really post too often on either. I just mm -hmm. do a lot of story posts on mm -hmm. my personal one. And then the podcast one, of course I post, but that's about it. I was like, oh yeah, here's a post about networking. Yay. <laughs> Yay networking. Yay networking. It's about, it's about who you know. It's what we were just talking about before this, but it really is about who you know. I don't know how we, I think we must've met through Instagram. It had to be. I was like, I don't remember if we met some other way, but I'm sure it was Instagram. And then you, I think you might've posted about running or something. And I was like, oh my gosh, you're a runner. You're like, I'm training for a marathon. It's like, oh my gosh, we're going to talk all about that. Tell Tara, I feel like we would be BFFs hanging out every day if we both lived in the same city. <laughs> oh, I believe it. I would be like, you need to come run with this group of people now. It would be so fun. I'll have to pay you a visit in New York City sometime and we'll run together. Yes. Yes. Especially if you come for the marathon too. Like, Maybe. Yeah. We'll see. I'm going to cross my fingers. That's like opportunity, <laughs> opportunity and timing. Let's we'll go. We'll see if the wait list is shortened on the the organization oh that I would run with. Ooh, okay. Yeah, because I can't think of other ways that people really get get to run it. I, I think it's like a lot of clubs and stuff have spots and what they do with them and lottery. Like, there's all that whole thing. Stay involved. Meet people. It's a good thing to do. Um, but thank you for talking. This was great. This was a lot of fun. I'm so glad we could get into running talk because why not? <laughs> thank you so much for having me, Tara. Thank you. Thank you for listening to ABC Adoptees Board in China podcast. If you would like to reach me, it is Adoptees Board in China podcast on Instagram and Facebook or adoptedbabiesfromchina at gmail.com. Have a wonderful day, night, wherever you are. Mm -hmm.